Hello, hello, here we go then. This is Not The Top 20 podcast. This is our 1-24 to league predictions for the coming season in League One. These podcasts are brought to you in association with EFL on Quest. EFL on Quest is the Saturday night EFL highlight show. And I'm a little starstruck here because sitting opposite me recording these pods today is a recent debutant on EFL on Quest. Actually, their Carabao Cup highlight show um, just a few days ago. George Ellick alongside me, Ali Maxwell. And I often think, George, having made my own debut uh, a year or so ago, that we wanted to be England international footballers. Sadly, for many reasons, that was not possible for us. And actually, the next best thing uh, in the career path that we chose is probably to be a pundit on a Saturday night EFL highlights show. So congratulations on winning your first cap. How was it? Yeah, it was good. I mean, as we sit here, Necker Williams just scored a debut goal, his debut goal, his first goal for Wales. And I reckon the feeling I felt leaving the studio yesterday was pretty similar to him celebrating after the goal. <laughs> um, it was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. I, I loved it. It's a show that I watch religiously um, because if you want to be someone who follows the EFL um, extensively, it's essential watching whether it's at nine o'clock on a Saturday night whether it's on the Sunday morning when you get up whether it's on Dplay which is the app which which you can download and watch it again it is absolutely brilliant Colin Murray is a superb host and the best thing about Colin as a host is that he puts the fans first he is totally aware that the show belongs to the fans the sport belongs to the fans and therefore it is a program that looks to deliver the goals the analysis and the stories around the EFL and um, yeah really thankful to the guys at EFL on Quest for for helping us make these podcasts yeah heading into their third season now and I think one thing that stands out with the highlights show on Quest compared to maybe some previous iterations of it is it's very much meat and potatoes. It's the football, it's the goals, and it's a bit of chat around the interesting stories. They haven't tried any gimmicks. It's just what EFL fans, and I dare say the people listening to this, want to see, which are the goals at 9pm, just four hours after the final whistles on a Saturday. It's a it's a hell of a feat of production, I tell you, having seen how it goes behind the scenes. Uh, and it's awesome that they have partnered with us to bring you these 1-24s. to So every single Saturday night, EFL on Quest at 9pm. Uh, also, midweek rounds of fixtures, they have a highlight show. It's on a Wednesday, uh, Carabao Cup highlights also on Quest. And it's not hard to find it. I think there's a bit of a misconception at times that, you know, this is on Freeview. You've almost certainly got it on your television. Uh, Freeview Channel 12, FreeSat 167 uh, on Sky, if you've got Sky 144 uh, and Channel 169 on Virgin. So, And even if you don't have a TV and even if somehow you've got a TV from the 70s that only has channels 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5, then you can still find it on your phone. Uh, smartphone or tablet or an iPad if you've got one of those or even on on your browser on your computer if you search for Dplay you can download the app and Dplay uh, will have all of the shows on it you can watch it live on Dplay as well so no real excuse to ever miss an EFL goal because Quest show all of them uh, and you can watch it very very easily on your TV or your phone tablet iPad etc uh, during these 1 to 24s one team in each division will be nominated as our best on Quest and you'll find out in the coming episode exactly what that means so stay tuned for that but it's time to get into our predictions our 1 to 24s and sadly we always start at the bottom I'll go first George 
in 24th place in League One in the 2020-2021 season, which I'm already finding awkward to say. We've got to find a better way. Even 2021 season sounds a little bit weird. Anyway, uh, I'm delaying the inevitable. It's Rochdale. We've got them coming bottom here. I don't want to rub it in, but I'm, I'd say, more sure of a Dale relegation than almost anything in the EFL this season. And, therefore, if Brian Barry Murphy and this group of players stay up, I will consider it amongst one of the most remarkable against-the-odds successes that I can think of. Because, firstly, in League One, you've got the nightmare scenario of having four relegation places. So, whereas in League Two, only two go down, and there's always some rubbish teams in League Two that avoid the drop. In League One, you can't really risk being poor. Now, Rochdale, the last few years have managed to stay up almost against the odds uh, in, a, in a way because they are punching above their weight in terms of budget. Um, they have mostly kept a similar core of players and a, a lot of times they've been blooding youngsters throughout. They put a lot of faith in their academy, which is a, a way of doing things that I don't only respect, but I think is the right way for, for Rochdale to develop as a club. The problem is, I think they are clearly an example of a side who in the COVID-19 footballing reality that we are living in at the moment are clearly really affected by it you can tell by the fact that some key men probably the key men from last season have left the club uh, at the time of recording they haven't really replaced them they've got Bazunu, uh, a young goalkeeper on loan from Manchester City uh, and Newby who they've signed from non-league but it's who they've lost Ian Henderson, talismanic goal scorer and leader. Callum Camps, who at the age of 24 had already played 250 games for this team and offered them a, a goal scoring threat from midfield. Uh, Williams as well and Norrington Davis, who was on loan, who was a key player for them, marauding down the left side last season. From where I'm standing right now, it's, it's so difficult for me to work out who steps up and who fills those guys' shoes because frankly, they've been... I wouldn't go as far as saying on the precipice, but they've been down there for the last few seasons and I think they're really fighting against it this year. George, I see them dropping into the bottom four uh, and being relegated. We've got them 24th. I take no joy in saying it. Rochdale, uh, 24th in League One for us this season. Who have we got in 23rd place? It's Northampton Town. Uh, who? In what their, a load of cobbles. Well, in their last three performances, two of which were in the playoffs and one was, was yesterday in the Carabao Cup, they have won 3-0, 4-0 and 3-0 um, been absolutely rampant in doing so. But it's important to look at the bigger picture here and not to get carried away on the back of a couple of good results, especially not the playoff results where, you know, if you look at the team who started at Wembley, only three of those players started yesterday. There's been a massive squad churn, some of which has been deliberate, the likes of Alan McCormack and Jordan Turnbull being two particularly surprising uh, decisions um, from Northampton to let them go. Uh, Charlie Goode was sold to Brentford for over a million pounds. Totally understandable. Vidane Oliver has moved on to Gillingham. I'm not convinced that's necessarily a massive loss, um, although the way that they played and his performances in the playoffs suggested that he was kind of going the right way. But over the course of a season, he probably didn't do enough. And Callum Morton, who was the star of the playoffs, the star of actually, you know, that their last 10 or so games of the season... He was on loan from West Brom and he put in some performances that you don't normally see, full of energy, full of physicality, but also with the quality to put the ball in the back of the net when given the opportunity as well. He will be playing at Michael Appleton's Lincoln this season. So they've lost 
loads of decent players. They brought in a couple of, of good ones. I think Bolger, who comes in from Lincoln, is a decent replacement for, for well, one of Good and, and Turnbull. And Luka Rasic is, is clearly the most impressive of the lot, a guy who's really highly thought of at Brentford. He was part of the deal um, for Good to go there. And it's fair to say that if Northampton weren't selling a player to Brentford, that deal wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't be playing for a side um, newly promoted from League Two. But over the course of last season and over the course of Keith Curl's management career, they weren't very good last season. And that was Keith Curl's first promotion. We can't get carried away on the back of what were two brilliant results with a different team and then a Carabao Cup win, which was effectively a glorified friendly against the Cardiff side who weren't really at it. Um, so we have to look at the bigger picture here. And the fact remains that they were not one of the three or four best teams in League Two last season. Um, and they have their work cut out in this league to get away from the relegation zone. And it's important. You know, I was tempted when I look back over, because obviously I made my notes a couple of days ago. I was looking back through it this morning and I thought to myself, oh, do we actually upgrade Northampton a little bit? And the answer is no, we have to see more. Um, we can't just focus on that. So having them in 23rd might seem a little bit harsh, but... Um, I think at one point they were 24th, so at least they have that to to fall back upon. Um, so we got Northampton in 23rd for a return straight back down to League Two. A team in 22nd, Ali, who seem, I think they're the first ones we're going to talk about here. Actually, no, Rochdale were the same, but they are a club who are built on sustainability and it feels like they're taking absolutely no risks at the moment. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. We've got Burton uh, in 22nd and relegated from this division. Uh, and it's not really to do with anything that's happened before. It's it's a bit of a gut, this. Um, Burton were, were fine last season. They finished 12th. Um, that was about right for where they were at that time. With Nigel Clough at the helm, they have been the model EFL club uh, over the last, what, five, ten years or so. It, not just with Clough in charge, but other managers that the foundation has been there to succeed. And boy, have they. Um, it, it, it feels easy to see them as a League One club now but for the size of the club and its history uh, this was not its level until it became its level and although that goes down a lot to the way the club is run and the chairman uh, Ben Robinson's one of the most impressive chairman and owners in the EFL my concern is how much of an impact Nigel Clough had on the club and how important he was to to its success we've both been there a few times uh, for, for bits of media work it's a it's a tight-knit club and Clough's authority was absolute there it was absolute it's, it's not a big team there at all it's not one of these modern football structures with tons of staff and support staff doing every aspect of the club Nigel Clough was huge for that uh, and when he stepped back and was replaced by Jake Buxton you know, all of a sudden you have an unknown. You have a, a young rookie manager, someone who's well respected within the game for the career that he's had over the last, what, 15, 20 years. Well liked and known around the club. You can see why they've gone with Buxton as a successor. And I don't really have any problem with them choosing him. It's just the concern that Clough was a lot to this club. Not only Clough, but they lost Boyce in January, big goal scorer for them. And I didn't feel like they replaced him at the time. And I don't feel personally that Kane Hemmings and Luke Varney are going to be, you know, troubling the scorers too much this season. Uh, they've lost Fraser, who's a lovely midfield player. You know, there's certainly question marks about whether he's dynamic enough to play at championship level. Some people were surprised that he hasn't been picked up by anyone yet. But he's left the club uh, and some quite important loans for them last season as well. 
O'Hara, the goalkeeper, he might come back in, uh, which would be a great signing. But just generally, I'm not that in on it. You can see what, what Buxton's tried to do by bringing in Bostwick and Erdley, sort of old-timers, experienced heads. Dad's army, I've Dad's got that army, in my notes. You've, you've called them. Um, but I just think there's going to be a big drop-off here because I feel like Burton have been straining every sinew for everything they've achieved over the last five years. And I don't know if you can just keep doing that under such tough circumstances off the field, which saw Nigel Clough leave, and with uh, a new manager who just cannot possibly have the same uh, impact on the whole club uh, as Nigel Clough had. So we've got Burton, uh, regrettably, in the relegation places, uh, and just above them, George, another team for whom this represents a bit of a drop, but probably shows how tough we think this league's going to be this year. Yeah, Shrewsbury... Uh, the next ones to be going down in 21st. They've lost two key players uh, in Josh Laurent and Omar Beckles, um, both of whom, I mean, Laurent was clearly the spark in a midfield that lacked much else in terms of spark. And Beckles, a player who I think some Shrewsbury fans had started to go off last season, but his versatility being able to play basically anywhere across the back four um, and his, you know, he, he represents something of a hark back to that great Shrewsbury team of three or four years ago, and that team has slowly been broken up, and this is just the latest aspect of it. And I just think Sam Ricketts has had a couple of years in the job now, and we don't really see much progression there necessarily. The incomings don't suggest that much qualities come in. You don't feel like there's much. They're another Depth. team who are being so careful financially, exactly. which exactly. is so admirable. And yet, you know, for predicting footballing performance, I almost don't want to say it's an issue because I don't want it to sound like that. But you can see that other teams have been able to invest more in their squad. Uh, and that's where it, it leaves this Shrewsbury team looking a little bit light, doesn't it? I mean, last season, they were desperately struggling to create anything. Mm. You know, they, they Ricketts put together a team that was pretty good defensively. But, you know, the, the the distaste a lot of the fan base had for the football being played, the lack of attacking quality, um, something's going to have to change. You know, I'm, I, I, from what I've seen, he's trying to build a more attacking style. That, you know, it might be at the risk of losing some of that defensive structure. I'm, I'm just not sure they have the players to do that as well. I mean, look, looking at the the depth in defence, they have basically Ebanks, Landell and Pierre and Rashawn Williams a centre-back. And apart from that, there's absolutely nothing. They're stacked in centre midfield, but again, not really with necessarily anything more than, than just kind of ball players. There isn't much creativity there whatsoever and a massive reliance on, on Cummings to be the man to score the goals. And, and we know from experience that relying on Jason Cummings on the cum dog isn't necessarily the, the wisest thing to do. I mean, on his day, he's great, but that day uh, sometimes goes amiss. So it, it, it's difficult to be negative about a side who, as you say, are doing it the right way, but it just feels you know, that they're a side who haven't necessarily performed up to standard for a couple of years. And then this summer so far, as it stands, just feels like another step in the wrong direction. But now we get to talk about sides who just escaped the drop. And, and in 20th, I mean, is this good news? It might be good news for any Wigan fans listening, but we have Wigan avoiding um, a back-to-back relegation. I mean, this is such a stab in the dark because we don't know what is going to be happening. And I think of all of the predictions we're making on this podcast, Ali, and in League Two and in the Championship, if we are totally wrong with this one, then I think we'd be very, very happy. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's just a ridiculous situation to be predicting uh, how this Wigan side will, will do in a league campaign because currently they are in a scenario where they have very few senior players. Uh, the senior players that they do have, you would not be surprised if they leave the club in the coming weeks or would like to leave the club. Uh, no doubt some of them are admirably wanting to stick around and help, but uh, currently they basically don't have any senior centre-backs. Uh, they've got a couple of good players in, in Nathan Byrne and Cal Naismith. Look, this was an excellent championship team last season and it's not that anymore because the team has been gutted. The manager is gone. Liam Richardson is currently in charge. Whether he would be kept on by any new owners, I don't know. At the moment, as we record this, there's not a huge amount of light at the end of the tunnel, as far as we can tell, being reported by the administrators with regards to imminent takeover, which is what would be needed in order for them to have a little bit of time, let's say a month or so, to build a, a team. Of course, they're already late in transfer terms in terms of building a squad. A lot of the sort of guys they'd be going after have already been snapped up. It could be a bit like Bolton last season, where if they if they do get a takeover and they can build a squad, they're going to be looking in, in, the, in the bargain bin, so to speak. It's going to be hard to build a really good squad. There's just... Once the season starts, when you're in this shape, it's so, so difficult. But the reason we have them 20th is I think we both have a belief that they can, with a few of the players that might stay, uh, and with more positivity and the insane character uh, and atmosphere that the, sh that the fans have shown in supporting their club, uh, I do think that there are brighter times on the horizon. It's just a really difficult place for us to comment on right now, because as you say, they could be excellent, I dare say some, some of their fans would be surprised to have them this low, but I've certainly seen a lot of other people just automatically put them at the bottom because of the shape that they're in, and you can kind of understand that. We are going for Wigan just avoiding relegation, uh, and it might take a while for them to get going, but we reckon that they will eventually. Yeah, um, next up in 19th, uh, a side that we normally predict are going to get relegated from the division. They normally don't. This time we're having them just above a 19th. It's AFC Wimbledon. As I say, often written off, but so often proving us doubters wrong. Looking at the recruitment side of things, it's hard to know what to make of it. I think Woodyard is a shrewd investment from Posh, somebody just to shore things up in the middle of the park. Um, they've taken on a couple of loanees from, from Brentford and from Brighton, two clubs who do things the right way with decent academies as well. And they've got decent depth. It's not something we often say about Wimbledon, but at the moment, looking at the squad, they've got first-team players in plenty of positions. And maybe the sign, you know, they brought in a couple of players from non-league as well. I think they're understanding that this season, given the fixture congestion, they're going to have to have a big enough squad to cope with that. Maybe it's a reach. I, I don't know. I just feel like too often they we look at AFC and look at the size of the budget and just assume that that means that they're going to be finishing um, towards the bottom. But they've proven us wrong enough times now to maybe just give them credit for the process and the, and, and the work that goes into things. So we've got them coming 19th just ahead of Wigan up in 18th. It is. It's Accrington Stanley. They finished 17th last year. Uh, my notes say that I, my gut basically was that things would be similar to last year, and and that's that shouldn't be seen as a knock on uh, a team that that again are sort of constantly punching above their weight. Certainly in terms of budgets, I think it's a, a given that John Coleman has has and is working wonders there. Uh, the main concern for Accrington is that they lost 
Jordan Clark, who's probably their best player uh, and who moves up to the championship with Luton Town. It's not that they haven't attempted to replace him uh, and it's possible that uh, Cassidy, for example, on loan from Watford uh, could provide a bit of spark out wide. There's a lot that I quite like about uh, Accrington Stanley, uh, especially the front two, Colby Bishop and Dion Charles. I think both of those are, are quite are quite lively and I think having had one EFL season under their belt, they'll be better for that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing centre-back Ross Sykes who's become a really important part of this team who came through the youth academy there um, and, and and in midfield Sam Finley and Joe Pritchard two nice technical players that I like a lot they're a good side to watch Accrington I think they just struggle to put together a run of wins consistently and, and that can hold them back um, it, they're a good side going forward and they tend to put up good attacking numbers in terms of the underlying data but since they've been in League One they've really struggled to keep clean sheets uh, and I just think that there's a lot of games where the talent gap between themselves and, and richer opposition can be quite tough for them so we've got them in 18th um, but they're certainly a team that I will enjoy watching that's for sure. Who's next for you George? 17th MK Dons I see. I was excited about MK Dons back uh, a couple of kind of six weeks ago when we didn't know what was going to be happening I thought under Russell Martin um, they had the play, the players and the squad to maybe put last season behind them. We were very keen on them uh, this time last, well, not this time last year, but in this podcast last year. But the outgoings are a massive issue. They've seen Alex Gilby, uh, Reese Healy, uh, Ryan Harley, Jordan Barry, Colin McGrandles all leave the club. Jordan Moore Taylor as well. Ben Reeves. I mean, these are all guys who, you know, played a lot of minutes last season. And if they they weren't playing up to their level generally. You still look at their squad and there's enough in the first team to make you think they should improve. But just the lack of depth, the players that they've lost. Uh, I think Russell Martin has got a difficult job on his hands in his first full season to massively improve upon a disappointing campaign last time round. So, yeah, having been initially excited to see what they could do, I now am struggling to make a case for them to do any better than kind of lower bottom half uh, in 16th alley i think this might surprise a few people who maybe haven't been paying attention well because donny were quite good last season but we got doncaster finishing 16th i think one of the things just to say at this point is there's quite a lot of teams that we quite like and not necessarily that we like to be right up there but there's quite a lot of teams certainly some of the teams coming up that we don't see being really poor and that makes putting together a 1 to 24 quite difficult because you do have to have teams in, in these positions, which are kind of awkward positions. What does 16th represent for, for Doncaster? Well, not a great season, considering that they finished ninth last season. They finished above Ipswich, for example. It was a, it was a pretty good season, uh, their first under Darren Moore. Um, I would have them even lower if they lose Ben Whiteman. Uh, he's been heavily linked. A lot of bids coming from the championship, and they're going to have to work pretty hard to keep a hold of him. If Whiteman goes, I think he's so important to this side that I would be very concerned about them. They've also lost Kieran Sadlier, who was such a good pickup for them uh, and was a really important source of goals, where their strikers last season found it very difficult to hit the net consistently. Uh, Sadlier earned his chance and moves up to the championship with uh, with Rotherham. And yeah, I mean, Darren Moore's shown himself to be sort of trustworthy in the loan market. So you can see Taylor Richards has joined on loan from Brighton. He's someone I'm really uh, excited to see. He comes very highly rated and was once on the books at Manchester City. Uh, Cameron John, who was on loan from Wolves last season, big centre-back, uh, he's joined permanently. And I think, you know, these are the sort of signings that 
uh, are a good thing for Doncaster. But ultimately, I don't think they're moving forward from last season. I think they won't be as good. And that's why we've got them down in 16th. The only thing I am seriously excited to see is Joseph Bursic, who's their goalkeeper on loan from Stoke, who's always been involved with England youth teams. He's very highly rated, uh, a young goalkeeper. But he also takes free kicks and shoots. Uh, I think there were two or three occasions last season on loan at Accrington where John Coleman let him have a go. So he's clearly talented because obviously, you know, the trade-off if it goes wrong is 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 pretty spectacularly bad. So hopefully Darren Moore will buy into it and we might see a goalkeeper scoring a free kick in the league this season. But yeah, we've got Donny 16th and as I say it, it feels low. But hopefully when we talk about some of the other teams, it'll become clear as we go why we've got them a bit lower than last season. Yeah, and another one who I think... Uh are being tipped for, for better things in 15th, and that's Bristol Rovers. Um, even the, the bookies have them kind of about 20 to 1 uh, to win it, which surprised me. Um, you know, after Graham Coughlin left last season, they their form properly fell off a cliff. Ben Garner came in and obviously had some personal issues, which meant he wasn't really able to manage the team uh, as he'd have liked to. Uh, but he's got a great reputation as a coach. But again, I'm not investing my belief in him as a manager until I really see it. There's been a lot of talk about their recruitment this season. A couple of signings are clearly good ones. I think Zane Westbrook coming from Coventry is a smart piece of business. Uh, Max Aimer, their new captain, a solid signing. I'm not going to go much further than that. I know he's been one of Gilliam's star players the last kind of three or four years. But at the same time, he is not a player that strikes me as one who's ready to kind of be one of the one of the elite centre-backs in League One. Josh Grant had a very good loan spell at Plymouth last season. I think he might be comes the one in here. Grant yeah. because of the pedigree he's got uh, and, and how highly rated he was at Chelsea. It fit, he, it, it's not an exact science, this, but no. it feels like if he could get a full season under his belt uh, or even two, he's the sort of yeah. signing that you end up selling on to the Championship or above. I agree with that. I, I, I know where you're going with this and I fully agree. that I would, If I was a Bristol Rovers fan... I think I'd be buzzing at the summer business and at the sort of reset that's happened. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good things have happened off the pitch. And, you know, I, I'd say it's positive times and in the right direction. I think we both think that it doesn't necessarily mean they're suddenly going to fly It doesn't up. translate to now. Exactly. And, and you know, the, the, the key thing when you're looking at the, you know, if you're looking at their ins and outs so far this season, I'd say two of the key lines you have to draw are Ollie Clark leaving to Mansfield and Johnson Clark Harris leaving to, to Peterborough. In Clark Harris they finally had a striker after years of not having that kind of prolific player. They had one who could score goals. They've lost him, albeit for, you know, a, a, a decent fee for a player who's twenty six. And in Clark they lose a captain who who they wanted to keep who's moved down to League Two. So it's definitely not ideal. Um it's it, I just think it's hard at the moment. They're just another team who you need to see the evidence before investing. I just can't at the moment just say like, this is a side for me who have a manager that I trust in, who have brought in players who I think are going to be much better. I mean, I personally think Jack Baldwin is just a, a walking rip ricket in, in League One. We've seen it for a couple of clubs now, both at Posh and at Sutherland. When his head drops, he is prone to an absolute clangor and he's not someone that I would want in the heart of defence for a team um, with higher expectations. I have a feeling if Ben Garner is still at the club when we do these podcasts next year, then I have a feeling we're going to have Bristol Rovers much higher up. I think this is maybe just a year too early in what they're trying to do at the club. Um, but things certainly moving the right way. So it might be a negative table position, but I don't think it's necessarily a negative outlook from us. Um, and 14th is Crew Alley, who've, mm. who've 
somehow crew ali is that what you call them crew ali Alexander. ali short for <laughs> alexandra yeah look clearly this is the lowest of the three automatically promoted sides from league two uh and we've got them finishing 14th i think that represents quite a lot of enthusiasm from us uh, about these sides and it felt like crew's promotion and what a promotion it was and what a wonderful season was a culmination in uh, a group of players growing and developing together mostly through the academy uh, and and with a manager who took his time to develop alongside them uh, and it was sort of the beautiful culmination of that and I would suggest in a normal transfer market in a normal financial situation across English football uh, a lot of those players might have been picked off that is often what happens but as we sit here no one important has left not Perry and G, not Harry Pickering, who's just signed a new contract, not Ryan Wintle, not Charlie Kirk, not some of the other guys like Finney and Lowry. Um, everyone's still there apart from Nicky Hunt uh, and Paul Green, who were the sort of the old heads, weren't they? They didn't play that much. They were more or less just there to show professionalism and, and to be the senior pros. Um, they've brought in off Rande Zanzala. Now, interestingly, for a team who did so well last season and who scored a lot of goals, never felt like their striker was particularly prolific. I know Chris Porter, I think, got to 15, but a lot of those were pens, and it never quite convinced me that he would certainly not step up and score goals. Now, Zanzala hasn't got an incredible goal-scoring record, but he's one of those who, the eye test for me, and his age and his experience so far makes me think that he could develop into a good goal scorer. So with Zanzala and Mikel Mandron, who to be fair, I think is an excellent target man who I really think lacks a goal scoring touch. I think they've got decent options through the middle. And yeah, this young group of players who we rate so highly, certainly the fullbacks in G and Pickering and Wintle, they're all still there. They're all still together. I'm a little bit concerned about them defensively. I'm not sure that their central defensive options are particularly solid, and therefore I think they might concede a fair few goals. Uh, but I also think they'll score plenty. They are not our best on quest pick, but we've got Crew 14th, and I think that they'll be a really exciting team to watch this season. George, who is above them in 13th? Above them. Above them. Above them in 13th <laughs> is Gillingham. Uh, now, this might seem low, given that they have beaten... Some massive clubs to every signing they've made this summer. That's a slight dig at Steve Evans, if you're wondering, because every time in every press release, it's unbelievable how many clubs they've beaten to every signing. But looking <laughs> a bit deeper into it, I mean, last season they were very solid. They were, I'd say, improving throughout the season, but they really lack goals, which is not something you normally say about a Steve Evans side. And they haven't really remedied that this summer. The three Strikers that they go into at the moment they go into the season with are Johnny Kinde, who I think has probably shown that you know, his step up to League One level came a little bit too late in his career. He didn't score goals at Lincoln. He hasn't scored goals in, in 10 or so games last season at Gillingham. For Dan Oliver, who his purpose of being on a football pitch, even as a striker, isn't to score goals. And Brandon Hanlon, who has never been prolific at Gillingham, despite being a decent player, and he's being linked to a move away anyway. Could be off. So... They haven't remedied that at all. You look at the players they have brought in, I would say, I don't know if there's such thing as an EFL household name, but they have brought in plenty of them. You know, the kind of guys that we all know about, that we've all seen around the block. Oliver's one of them. Ryan Jackson from Colchester, another. Jordan Graham comes in, finally leaving Wolves on a permanent deal. Alex McDonald steps up to League One again from Mansfield. Carl Dempsey comes in from Fleetwood. These are all so mid-table League One signings. You know, if you're going to build like a a really solid group of 
experienced pros to who you know can perform at this level, then he's done a great job. But I, these are not the signings of a club that I see as being the one to uh, to really push on. I don't care what the press releases say. Um, I'm not excited. The, the the if you take anyone's business this this summer and just call it solid, then then I would say this is the lot. They've lost their captain in Aimer, who I've already mentioned, who as I say was a was a was a decent centre back. It's just all a bit meh. Um, and for that reason, I, they're another team like MK Dons, where I thought after last season they could add a little bit of quality, a little bit of spark, and just a striker, just somebody who could. Um, just get the goals that they needed with that extra creativity they'd be okay but I don't think they've necessarily done it and I don't like the profile necessarily of the players who've come in generally towards the end of their careers which is not something that I like to see in terms of recruitment the recruitment of the team in 12th in Plymouth Argyle is a little bit more exciting I think so. Uh, we're, we're both pretty excited to see how Argyle go back in League One, of course. Uh, last time they were here, they had a pretty miserable season. So we're, we're hoping that having been down, having hired Ryan Lowe and having really grown into last season to the point where at the end of last season, you know, they were certainly one of the best teams, if not the best team and nicked third place as well. They were very good for it. Um, the way that Lowe sets up these teams, certainly his Berry side and now his Plymouth side, is so perfect for League 2 football I think it will translate pretty well into League 1 football the way that he got George Cooper who was on loan and now joins permanently uh, to revert or rather convert to a left wing back and be one of the best creators in the EFL just deadly delivery from the left side always with bodies in the box uh, I think it's a side that will always create chances and in Danny Mayer they have a guy who, who maybe didn't have as 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 an eye-catching a season last year as he did the year before with Berry, but who is just a wonderful player on the ball who drifts past players and demands extra attention from defenders. So going forward, I, I, I just like this Plymouth side a lot and I think they're going to score a lot of goals. I think that Ryan Hardy and Frank Nuble, they aren't names that like leap off the page, but they never had a, a prolific goal scorer last season, even though they played two up top uh, at all times. And I think those guys, certainly Hardy, I've got, quite high hopes for if he can get a run of games uh, I spoke to Simon Grayson about him who managed him briefly at Blackpool and he, you know he barely played because Simon Grayson said he just had so many strikers at that time Nondier was scoring a lot of goals Delfonso was there that he just had too many but he said Hardy is he is a natural goal scorer you can see that in training so I'm hoping that Hardy could be the one to, to score the goals for Plymouth this year I think 12th place would be hugely impressive I, I wonder whether we might even regret putting them this low. Uh, they could be a bit of a wild card here. But uh, I think in replacing Sarsevic with Lewis McLeod, who's played a lot of championship games in the last few years, uh, and Panuche Kamara, who's played a lot of League Two games in the last few years and who we always thought was ready for a step up, I think that's really good business. So I'm, I'm really excited for Argyle. We've got them 12th in, in League One. Uh, as a newly promoted side, I think that is pretty, pretty positive stuff. Uh, and above them are their old rivals from last season, Swindon Town. My old rivals too. Uh, <laughs> but just like Plymouth, I think this could be one where we look back and think we weren't positive enough. It feels like a positive prediction for a side coming up from League Two. But Swindon lost... A hell of a lot of goals. Um, they lost Owen Doyle. They lost Jerry Yates. They lost Keshi Anderson. 45 goals between the three of them in the league last season. And either the personnel that they've lost is the important part. And those are the three talented players or whatever. And losing them means they have to start from square one. 
all the players profited from having a good coach and a good team and a good squad built around them and a philosophy and an idea of how to create chances. And I think given the continuity, especially in midfield where Anthony Grant um, stays at the club, where um, Doughty is still there in centre midfield, you know, the, the defence remains basically the same. I think the difficulty obviously in stepping up in quality is going to be there, but they still maintain so many of the, the constants that just putting in some round pegs into those round holes could still produce the same results. They've got Brett Pittman in up front. Now, Brett Pittman is someone that I have long feared as, a, as an opposition supporter, but for whatever reason, after a brilliant season about three years ago at Pompey, him and Kenny Jacket have not seen eye to eye and he hasn't played much football since. I spoke to people in kind of recruitment in League One over the last couple of years as well, asking about Pittman and why no one's taken a chance on him. And I think some of it is obviously financial, but also there's this idea that he basically does nothing except for be a nuisance in the box and get on the end of, of, of crosses and chances. That's exactly what Owen Doyle does. Owen Doyle is, is nothing without, the, without the, the service. He's not somebody who can offer much in deeper areas. He is a player who will not score goals unless he's provided those chances. And in Pittman, they've got a pretty good like-for-like. Jai Simi comes in from Norwich on on a um, permanent deal, having really impressed there on loan last season. And Johnny Smith is a very exciting player to play on the other side. Jack Payne is someone who I know well from his time at Oxford. On his day, he's basically unplayable. That day, undoubtedly, is not um, doesn't come around often enough. And if anything, over the last couple of years, it's got worse. At Lincoln last season, he was basically undroppable after three games and then barely got on the pitch for the last half of the season with no Lincoln fans caring because he just was so ineffective. But in this system, you do feel like that partnership that he could have playing in just behind um, just behind Pittman or playing off inside him like Yates used to do with those two wingers and Smith and Jaisimi, with that unit behind, I think it could just click again. I think the Wellens has an idea of how to play. He's proven that he's adept at getting players to, to fulfil those roles. And I think that despite losing those players, there's enough that they brought in for them to really have a good fist of it again. I think an 11th place finish would be a good effort and it wouldn't surprise me to see them go one better. In 10th, we've got the club that Mr. Payne has left and it's Lincoln City. Now they have Michael Appleton in charge. It'll be no surprise to long-term listeners of the pod <laughs> that we think he's a very good manager and is doing pretty good things in Lincoln, having had uh, a, a bit of time to get his feet under the table after the long and successful reign of Danny Cowley. This is one of the biggest squad churns in the whole EFL, certainly in League One. Uh, it's a little bit like Bristol Rovers. And I think in that sense, I think we are both quite excited about it and we're quite into it. And we think that probably with the signing of Morton on loan from West Brom, who was so good, especially towards the back end of last season with Northampton, they've probably got the goal scorer that Bristol Rovers would love to have. Um, they've also added quite a lot of other players, uh, players like Liam Bridker, uh, Joe Walsh, um, Jamie Jones, Conor McGrandles, Ethan Ross. There's a lot of guys that they've added to this side. And yeah, George, I mean, pick up from me here. I think there's going to be quite a lot of inconsistency, probably. Some good days, some bad days. Uh, maybe the odd good run and the odd poor run. Tenth uh, is probably the limit to where I'd put Lincoln here. Um, but just at the top of this group of sides that we like all of these 
teams basically from 10th to 15 that we've just spoken about and we've got Lincoln at the top probably just because he is the apple of your eye <laughs> he certainly is I, I mean I'd be very surprised to see them out the top 10 um, I, he's just I think one of the best managers in the league and people may have forgotten that but now with his own squad uh, with a team at his disposal that he's built to play a certain way I think they'll be much much stronger than last season and um, yeah I, I'd be surprised if I mean he said to us on, on going up going down that he felt like maybe this group was one season away, one season away from from really challenging, and I would trust him on that. So I think he was, from what I from what I heard at the time, he was very very bullish before the promotion season at Oxford that he had the squad he wanted to get promoted, and it does feel like we're maybe one season back in a similar way to Bristol Rovers, I guess. This is the start of something. This is the first set of players to do to carry out what they set out to do, um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, if they end up ahead of schedule. Anyone um, who's signing second-tier Dutch left-footed centre-backs as well is part-time is, models. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy that. Lewis Montsma, uh, who actually scored on his debut in, in the Carabao Cup and looked seriously excited about it. So that was good to see. Hopefully, he is a hit. Uh, tell me about Blackpool, George. We got them in ninth. Another team who have been busy as hell in the transfer market this summer. Yeah, they are our best on quest and it's easy to see why because... Just remind me what that means. That means that we think they are going to be the team, the best team to watch on EFL on quest this season. The most goals going in at either end is our prediction for Blackpool and a look at their squad, it is easy to see why. If you tune in at 9pm on a Saturday, we are sure that Blackpool are going to provide all of the drama under new manager Neil Critchley and... Yeah, they. I thought before I sat down to do my kind of tissue table, I thought that I was going to have Blackpool in the in the top six. They brought in so many good players, such attacking talent and balance across the midfield and and up top. But then you look a little bit closer, and they don't have any defenders. I don't really know what they're doing. I mean, they got Keshi Anderson in um, from Swindon, who you mentioned, and Jerry Yates was at Swindon last season. Two great players who I'm sure are going to do great things. CJ Hamilton fully deserving of his step up to League One not on the basis of last season, but we saw the season before at Mansfield how good he can be. I don't know why Sunderland didn't keep didn't keep hold of Ethan Robson, a midfielder full of quality. I've already mentioned in the League 2 pod that I'm not convinced by Bez Labala, but you're certainly going to see some nice 30-yard shots um, from Bez. But they don't have any defenders. I mean, Marvin um, Ekpotata is, uh, has come in from Leighton Orient and he is the only specialist centre-back at, at the club at the moment, um, they've got a couple of, you know, they've got fullbacks galore, but until, and they've only got, I think Robson is basically the only specialist kind of advanced midfielder rather than a, a stopper. So I was going to point out they conceded seven in their friendly on the weekend, but it was against Anfield. It was against <laughs> Premier League champions Liverpool, who had a pretty strong side out. But no, I mean they you, you, they do have one other centre back in Nottingham, but he was out on loan at Crew last season. Yeah. Um, so you know, do you expect them to be excited to be hit for him to be a Just, first choice centre back? I, I think this is one of you know one prediction where if by the time this goes out tomorrow afternoon or Monday afternoon, if they announce the signing of two kind of decent established centre-backs I'd immediately want to bump them up a couple of places but we have to do it as it is at the moment and it's another manager that we can't really exactly. match for because exactly taking charge of his first senior games how many how many times in these three 1-24s will we think or say out loud the manager makes a huge difference and this is unknown he could be amazing he could be a disaster but a manager that we do know a lot about in eighth yes Lee Bowyer 
Lee Bowyer. Not Leslie working, Bowyer. I think it's fair to say, under particularly uh, preferable conditions right now. Uh, we've spoken about the situation at Charlton a lot on the Going Up, Going Down podcast. Not the time to go in depth on it, other than to say that the last, what, six months at the very least have been a complete complete disaster, complete chaos off the pitch and completely undermining the good work that uh, that Bowie has done over the last few years in in you know raising the reality of Charlton, taking them out of League One and into the Championship but going straight back down again. They've been operating under a, an embargo. Uh, they have managed to sign Gilby and Connor Washington uh, who, you know, could be good performers. I'd be more confident that Gilby will be than than Connor Washington, who's been hit and miss at times. Of course, he did score for Peterborough, but then and everyone scores for Peterborough, and he hasn't necessarily done it elsewhere. Um, we've got them outside the playoffs. In the understanding, though, that there looks to be a takeover on the horizon, unlike Wigan, there looks to be a credible buyer. Fingers crossed, touch word, this bloke is not a chancer. Um, we judge new owners on their actions, not their words. His PR has been impeccable, but you could say that about the last team as well. So, you know, we're reserving judgment on the new chap if he comes in. But at the very least, if the funds are there in the short term, it means that they can do a bit of uh, a bit of recruitment between now and the end of the season. If I was a Premier League team looking to loan out a young player, I would have belief uh, that Charlton is the right place to, to send them. I think that uh, it's a it's a good destination for any player who is moving to League One, and look, I mean, it's not a disaster. It's not like Wigan, who only have like six or seven senior players at the moment. They've got a team, they've got some good players in that team, and they've got a few young players that I'm really looking forward to seeing step up. Alfie Doty, I know, is wanted by Celtic. A lot of links at the moment. He might not be there, but he's a, looks like a fantastic, energetic, left-sided player. Um, Albie Morgan and George Lapsley will be stepping up in the centre of the park as it stands, and. There's very good players there. We think that they might add more, but we don't know that for sure. And a management team that obviously we believe very much in. Uh, and, you know, this could be anything really for Charles. A management team who consistently get a lot more out of the team than you see on paper. Mm. So how many times the I guess championship you just have last to season? Say they might take a while to get going. Yeah. Even, if some, even if someone comes in, you can't expect them to hit the ground running. No. I mean, they were so close to kind of staying up in the championship last season with a team that you looked at it, especially after the um, the issues after the break where certain players, including Lyle Taylor, weren't playing for the club, where you looked at it and thought, how are they, you know, how are they competing at this level with that side? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that even in the face of adversity, we can expect Charlton to continue to be a really good side, um, which is testament to, to the boss. What about Ipswich Town? The, op- the opposite. Quite a lot to unpack here. We've got them in seventh, just outside the playoffs. It's a four-place improvement on an 11th place finish last season. Uh, but it, And it's hard to know whether this is positive or negative. Uh, it's hard to know whether the atmosphere at the club is positive or negative. And I'd like you to talk me through it. Yeah, the hardest team to place in League One for me. I think mm. they could finish anywhere between first and 14th. Um, you look at the squad and they should be... I mean, how they finished 11th last season, I'll never know. Um, they've gone for continuity rather than wholesale changes. Paul Lambert is still the manager. Um, they brought in Stephen Ward, so great to have a left-back who can actually defend this season because last year it was Ken Lock or, or Garbutt, neither of which filled up, you know, covered themselves in glory. The return of Kane Vincent Young is a massive plus. His injury coincided with the massive kind of turnaround of form, someone who offers real attacking thrust down the right-hand side. And then just look at their midfield options as it stands. They've got Skuse, Hughes, Downs, Dazelle and Bishop if they're, if they're ever fit. Um, Nolan 
it's there's so many good players here and they've added Ollie Hawkins to Caden Jackson and um and James Norwood there's some, there seems to be something about Ipswich where talented players pull on the shirt and don't perform whether that's something to do with the manager whether it's kind of the Sunderland issue of fan expectation I, I just don't know but that so many of these guys just perform under their level when they play for them there um, was such an air of malaise around the place at the back end of last season yeah basically from January onwards and I sitting here can't confidently say that's just vanished and everything's fine no. again and I can't say with huge confidence either because this is more to do with character and personality than tactical nows I can't say confidently that Paul Lambert's character and personality could grab everyone up by the scruff of their neck, sort all the problems out, improve the atmosphere and get everyone back. Yeah, that's, yeah that's no, I, I agree. I agree. And, and you know, Wolfenden staying and signing a new contract is a massive plus as well. Um, you know, he's still only 21, so you can expect some marked improvement in his game over the course of the season. Um, Gwian Edwards, another player who I just don't understand how he doesn't have more of an impact to that club. It's seventh, I think, has to be seen as positive given where, the way they ended last season and the general feeling under Lambert. But they should be better they, they should be finishing higher than seventh um, but into the playoffs we go and if you told me we'd have this team in sixth back in you know whenever it was i can't even remember when the championship season finished i'd have been very very surprised well because hull city for uh what i mean a truncated but a six month period basically went on one of the worst runs we've ever seen from any team uh, at any level just consistent losing football that saw them drop out of the top half all the way down into the relegation zone and and, found, and find themselves in League One. I mean, it's almost astonishing that the manager that oversaw all of that is still in charge. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because I dare say when Hull were in the top half and maybe flirting with the playoffs, we probably were giving quite a lot of credit to Grant McCann, uh, even though we knew that he had two players who were above the level in Kamal Grosicki and Jared Bowen. Um, presiding over that run is a problem, though, and and the authority that he does or doesn't have on this squad is a problem. This all sounds quite negative. The positive is, I think they've got the best starting eleven on paper. Mm. I think they're basically the, the paper champions, the <laughs> starting eleven on paper champions. Um, so it sounds easy and it's not easy, but we just need a change in atmosphere, which the ownership group are not helping with because the fans are, are very against them. Uh, and Grant McCann has quite a big job to do because how easy is it to turn a team like last season's Hull into a team that, that wins every week? Pretty hard, which is why we don't have them towards the top. I see this side as probably a slow starter. We probably won't feel very impressed by them. And we'll keep saying each week, it's weird, this group of players, they're not picking up as many wins. But I just think slowly over the course of the season, if everyone's pulling in the right direction, things can start to turn around. And look, the good, signings, good business, we, yeah. couldn't be more, we couldn't be more positive about the signings. We could not be more positive. To go into the season with, you know, Greg Doherty playing in the centre of midfield, with Louis Coyle at right back, with Richie Smallwood taking the captain's armband. Snapping legs everywhere. Malik Wilkes uh, out wide. Yeah. Scott, who's a real wild card of mine, the, the young Scottish winger, who I think is going to be excellent. Um, just and easy to forget that Tom Eaves' record at League One level, despite all of the galumphing last season in the Championship, is, is very mm. strong. So we're picking Hull to come seventh. I can't work out if I'm feeling good sixth, or terrible. Sorry, sixth. 
inside the playoffs. I can't really work out if I'm feeling good or terrible about this one. So I just want to move on, George, to to our fifth place team. Yeah, Fleetwood Town in fifth. Another one like Blackpool who have really good attacking options. Um, as of with last season, they have Glenn Whelan, Jordan Rossiter, who, whose loan has been made permanent, and Paul Coots. Callum Camps has been added, which is a smart bit of business. Mark Duffy, another one like Coots, added from that Sheffield United team, who, if he retains that quality, should be way too good for this level. Josh Morris as well, Wes Burns, the, Paddy Madden, Chad Evans. You know, they have so many options and so much creative flair in this team. And they look well set to be able to build upon um, a playoff finish last season. And as I always say, Joey Barton, um, you know, we have to now talk about Joey Barton, the manager, rather than Joey Barton, the player. And he's proven that he is capable of putting a decent side together. However, they lost Harry Souter, um, who was on loan from Stoke last season and was so impressive. Um, They lost Callum Connolly as well. um, And they haven't really replaced these centre-backs at all yet. I think we have to assume that they will uh, in the same way we have to assume that Blackpool are going to add to theirs um, if they had already done so I think we'd be looking at possible title contenders but at the moment it's impossible to say that without knowing who they're going to be so a tentative fifth for Fleetwood I think we're both pretty positive about their chances you, you know that they're going to bring in centre-backs don't you because they can't not so you, you like and, and and based on their recruitment over the last year or two you, you're kind of confident they're going to do it well and, and maybe they're just moving a little bit slowly so what we didn't want is to put them low because they don't have any good centre-backs right now and then in two weeks time be like ah that, you know, that's a proper team because that's what Fleetwood were towards the back end of last season uh, and no real reason to think they won't be again and we got Sunderland in fourth place when we did our individual 1-24s to here the good outcome was that we had the same top four. So we're, we're pretty much in line with the top four uh, and we can move forward with that. We've got Sunderland in fourth. Now, I think the first thing to say is uh, we like Phil Parkinson. Uh, he didn't have the most amazing start as Sunderland manager. Uh, he had a good run. He had a bad run. They were pretty good defensively and they didn't score a ton of goals. Uh, and those last few things, I think we can probably imagine will continue I think they will have a very good defence because most Phil Parkinson teams do and maybe there are signs that they'll be a bit better going forward uh, certainly it looks like they are a, a better attacking outfit than they were at many times last season that's just based on what I've read and what I've seen so far in, in limited moments in, in pre-season and in early Carabao Cup rounds what I'd love to see is some fresh young blood being blooded by which I mean Diamond who was excellent in the National League on loan at Harrogate I'd love to see him get some minutes but more so than him Elliot Embleton who we've always been a massive fan of and we've really seen very little of like if I keep seeing older guys who maybe are bigger names but to me less exciting players get minutes I'm going to get a bit frustrated but look we're feeling positive that Sunderland will basically at worst be a playoff side and could be if Parkinson does his Parkinson stuff and if the atmosphere is okay, could be better than that. Um, by all by all accounts, Will Grigg looks a different beast this season. Now, how much you believe that is up to you. Um, the, and, the, the trans- until he missed his penalty in the shootout yesterday. The transfer business <laughs> has not been standout, but I don't think they've lost a huge amount either from last season. And I think, like George, it's, it's worth remembering that although they didn't make it up last season, they were a, a, a much better 
improved side under Parkinson, right? Yeah, if you look at, I mean, I know we haven't had any football except for playoffs in, in League One since March, but if you take January the 1st till, you know, the second week of March when it all ended, no team in League One picked up more points. They were massively trending in the right direction. They've kept the majority of the squad together. Parkinson's cleared out the, the players he didn't want. A lot of Deadwood cleared out. Um, Ozturk, Baldwin, Lynch, Lafferty and Smith. And then Duncan Watmore, I think it's going to be quite beneficial for Sunderland not to have Watmore there anymore. Um, I think too many false dawns with injuries for, for him. Such a talented player. A massive shame it hasn't worked out. Um, and there are some signs, I think, you know, they, they signed a, a, a new centre-back, 22-year-old Kosovan. Yeah. Um, which I think... Arby, we're calling him. He's got a very a, difficult name to pronounce. I, I do know how to pronounce it, but I, we're just going to call him Arby. I think that stinks of a of a data signing alley and I have a feeling if they're going that way looking to exploit um, markets where you can get some value taking players who who look good on the spreadsheet and not on the grass it's all gone full circle um, then that's only going to set them in good stead as well so uh, there seems to be a fair bit of negativity despite the fact that Sunderland are favourites I don't think they should be favourites but they are favourites there seems to be for the first time ever a kind of not a pessimism, but just not the expectation to be the best team in the league from Sunderland. But I do think that there is a lot going right there at the moment. Um, obviously, all that is subject to change depending on whether the club, which is apparently up for sale, does get sold. Now, the team in third uh, yeah, is the team that you support and it's Oxford United. I do wonder whether actually we should have them in the top two and whether you're just worried that you'd get a bit of stick about it. But we've got them in third. <laughs> As we said, we, we were pretty strong on our top four, so we don't think there's a huge amount between any of these teams, which was the case last season as well. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, the top five that we've got here, Fleetwood, Sunderland, Oxford, Pompey, Peterborough, they were within, what, two points after 34, 35 games. So perhaps it's not surprising that we don't think there's a huge amount between these sides. But, George, from my perspective, um, they look in very good nick, Oxford. They were a good side at the end of last season. You know, they had a, a really bad event at Wembley, which we won't talk about. But, you know, I would say Rob Dickey has left. That seems quite damaging. Uh, and Marcus Brown was a key player on loan and as yet has not returned. Uh, how damaging are those? You know, wh why are we still confident that, that that Oxford will be a good side? Yeah, Rob Dickey is is, is a shame. Um, Rob Atkinson steps into his role, a left footed centre back. Who, I mean, everything we've seen so far is remarkably exciting. If, if you're going to listen to this podcast and write one name down and keep an eye on on a player, he'd be the one to do so. Um, carries the ball through mid, throws its way through defence in a remarkably Dickey-esque way. Except he actually kind of goes a bit further and he's a galloper I think Alex Gorin is going to have his, his work cut out to, to drop back into that left centre back role when he does that but Brown is, is a loss as well um, but generally the recruitment's been good and I guess selling Dickey for a million quid mm. Uh, maybe a bit more. It, it allows the club to spend a bit more it's in the all transfer part market. Of the, yeah. A lot of the other clubs we've spoken about, bigger clubs in inverted commas, they don't sell players no. for money and therefore they're finding it tough to, to find the revenue to, to bring players exactly. in. Exactly. Uh, Marcus McGuane is probably the player who's the most like-for-like uh, replacement for Brown who ended up basically playing with midfield for large parts of last season. Uh, McGuane has, you know, Arsenal and Barcelona pedigree. Everything we've seen in pre-season looks very good. Uh, on loan from Forest, uh, a lot of kind of forward players who are unproven. Uh, you know, Joel Cooper over from Northern Ireland. Oxford have a great record with Northern Irish players. Gavin White, Mark Sykes, um, and then I think you know I'm obviously a little bit closer to Oxford than, than other 
um, club. So, so I can say this because, you know, I read all of the local media stuff, but I think probably two of Oxford's biggest signings are still yet to come from the noise coming out of the club. I think a left winger and a striker will be in fairly soon. Um, but that brings me on to the two probably biggest signings, Matt Taylor signing on a, on a permanent deal after his loan spell last season. Good for 20 goals, you think? I mean, good for somewhere between 15 and 20, you'd think, depending on who comes in to challenge him. Uh, and um, Cameron Brannigan, a player I think everyone in the whole of EFL football expected to move on, signing a new contract and being given the captain's armband as well. So, yeah, it's all very positive. My my concerns, the reason I wouldn't have us in, in, in first or second at the moment is because I think when we're at our best, we are, you know, possibly the best, um, along with probably Peterborough. Um, but... There are spells, there have always been spells under Carl Robinson, um, who, you know, I'm obviously a huge fan of now, where performances don't necessarily always hit that height. There's a consistency issue, maybe, um, maybe a little bit streaky. Um, and, you know, you're looking, it doesn't take a, a, you know, a brain surgeon to work out that Pompey are in our top two, given we haven't mentioned them yet. Well, but, but, but I was just going to say, you know, if you look, take the playoff games, there hasn't been a massive churn of players between those two games. And, Portsmouth outclassed Oxford over two games. There's no, there's no denying that there was a, a the, the better team. Um, you know, Oxford did a job on the better team. I would say they stifled them and they got to a position where where they were able to to qualify to, to get through that. And I don't necessarily. I think getting up to third is massive progress still because we don't know where we'd have finished. Um, and just to be one of those clear top four that we've agreed on in itself is is yeah it's it's positive stuff okay but we didn't really agree on who we thought would win the division so given we had to pick one there was a bit of compromise to be had and but I'm, I'm happy you know let's stick with what we've got because i made the compromise you know this, these are our predictions and yeah. i'm happy to i'm happy to go with our number one in which two. case you are big on portsmouth this year and we've got them in second place and i want you to tell me why you think they will be automatically promoted best team in league one from october onwards last season um pretty comfortably uh, my only concern is that Kenny Jacket is under pressure uh, unfairly from from Pompey fans, and with an owner who's not short of a few quids, I worry that a slow start could see the, the back of him, which I don't think would be a good thing. Um, I think I've seen so many Portsmouth fans talk about certain managers as if they guarantee success, and that just isn't a thing. And Kenny Jacket has twice got Portsmouth um, pretty close to promotion out of this league. Not you know, defending the playoff results. But again, I think they were mightily unlucky in those, uh, well, against Oxford not to win over the two legs. Um, and losing Christian Burgess is a big issue. And we saw yesterday in the Carabao Cup, Downing was was pretty, pretty poor. You know, he's certainly not a like-for-like replacement for Burgess, but we'll see if they do any business there. Um, but this is still a side just so full of quality. And, you know, Ronan Curtis staying is a huge positive as it stands at the moment. Um, they still retain most of the players from last season. Um, they have so they're they're just incredibly solid and hard to beat. Uh, defensively sound, they should have strikers that score more goals. Marquis will be hoping to make more of an impact this season coming up as well. Um, Ellis Harrison is a is a classy striker. Uh, Marcus Harness. I mean, they've just got quality running straight through the squads, and I find it very hard to see them. You know, look, the only thing that costs them automatic promotion last season was a slow start and if they can get out of the blocks and get to the top end of the table early on I think that'll be very hard to catch so we've got posh Peterborough United winning the league which you know they probably thought they would have won the league last year if they'd been allowed to finish it uh, and all little silly snide digs like that aside uh, I think they're going to be excellent again this year 
Uh, I think that it's clear that there's been a switch in mentality in the club where it's a club whose whose process and whose way of doing things we've admired a lot. Uh, you can't not admire how they how they make up for you know a lack of uh, organic uh, revenue based by but by basically being one of the most exceptional clubs in the transfer market and in recruitment terms in the EFL. Uh, and that's taken them a long way and they continue to do that. You know, we mentioned it just now. There's this idea that League One is packed with quote-unquote big clubs like Portsmouth and Sunderland and Ipswich and Charlton uh, and, and, and essentially clubs that have more fans than other teams and who have played in higher divisions than others. But Peterborough have just sold a player for £10 million. Like at this level, that's going to go quite a long way, with or without a salary cap, which is is you know making a bit of a difference at the moment. Like that puts them in a really strong position. They've obviously brought in Johnson Clark Harris for just over a million quid. He seems like an obvious Tony replacement. I think I don't think we expect him to be as good as Ivan Tony because we think that Tony was the best player in the league last season. But I feel quite strongly that just the very fact of Tony leaving does not make Peterborough like a hugely weaker side. I even even accepting that Clark Harris is not as prolific a goal scorer and probably not as good an all-round player as Tony. I'm looking at the team as a whole and I really like the way that they developed towards the end of last season. I like the team from back to front basically. I think that Broom will be a good addition in midfield to bring that energy. I dare say there is more business to come because this is a side with, you know, quite a lot of money burning a hole in their pocket. I really like the change in mentality from this club. They feel burnt by what happened last season. Again, rightly or wrongly, however you feel about the way that the season finished, they have a different mentality. And and I think that's going to take them quite a long way here. And I think Darren Ferguson, who we've probably never spoken about in like really glowing terms, but I actually think he's quite a good person to be in charge of this side as they have a switch in mentality. Uh, I cannot wait to see Siriki Dembele absolutely tear it up this year um i don't necessarily know if he is the most natural goal scorer but he's going to be playing through the middle and he's going to be causing a lot of problems and whether it's Issa playing up top with him or clark harris even if not to the same extent as tony i think both of those guys are going to score a lot of goals so i'm all in on on, on peterborough george do you have anything to add on posh we've got them first in league one this season yeah i mean i i had them in the top four as well and as you mentioned we've got those four kind of clear of the rest um it'll be interesting i think we're going to know our fate with posh pretty early on i think we're going to see how the front line clicks and i do agree just at their best last season they were basically unplayable and um and, and a quick start uh, under ferguson it does feel like their time it's been a long time but their time is going to come pretty soon they're doing things the right way and um it'd be interesting to see how because it does seem like at the moment they have to get rid of some players before they can reinvest again um, because of the salary cap and the amount of senior players you can have in their squad. I think they're over at the moment. be interesting to see what they do between now and mid-October. There we go. So, League One from the bottom up. Rochdale, Northampton, Burton and Shrewsbury in the bottom four. We've then got Wigan, Wimbledon and Accrington. In 17th, MK Dons, Doncaster in 16th and Bristol Rovers 15th. In 14th, Crew, 13th, Gillingham, 12th and 11th, Plymouth and Swindon with Lincoln in the top 10, Blackpool 9th, Charlton Athletic 8th, Ipswich Town 7th, Hull 6th, Fleetwood 5th, Sunderland 4th, Oxford 3rd, and our top two, Portsmouth and Peterborough 
I found this division intensely difficult to predict. We've also anointed Blackpool to be our best on Quest. And George, that is because these podcasts are in association with EFL on Quest. And just a reminder to everyone listening that Quest is the Saturday night EFL highlight show. It's on every Saturday at 9 p.m., at just four hours after full time. You can see all of the goals. It's on Wednesdays whenever there's a midweek fixture list. And you can stream it live and catch up on demand at dplay.com and on the dplay app. But of course, Quest can be found on your TV as well. Freeview channel 12, Freesat channel 167, Sky 144 and Virgin 169. Uh, Colin Murray is the host. He's joined by expert pundits, including sometimes... George and myself for two hours of highlights capturing all the goals key moments and talking points from the day's action across the leagues we've also got highlights of every round of the Carabao Cup George made his debut on the show in the first round and that first round show is now available to stream on dplay which again is an app that you can download but you can also access it on your browser online quest is the home of the efl highlights and we're delighted to be partnered with them for these podcasts make sure you listen to the league two and championship one to 24s wherever you found this one they won't be far away thanks so much for listening